It's a Mailbag Monday. We've got your questions about Ricky Tiedemann of the Blue Jays, the 2023 Bowman release, and Oakland potentially moving to the same city as their AAA affiliate. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, editor-in-chief of BravesToday.com, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're probably part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends with Ultimate Baseball GM. If you've ever dreamt of becoming an MLB GM and managing your baseball franchise, this is the game for you to download the game. Visit ultimatebaseballgm.com, look it up in the app stores, because our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On, all caps, in the game. So, as we do every single Monday, all of these questions came from listeners of the show. If you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can email us, lockedinmovieprospects at gmail.com, or drop your questions in a Locked In Movie Prospects Discord. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. Robert on YouTube asked about Blue Jays lefty Ricky Tiedemann. Uh, my, My thoughts on him, do we expect to see him in the bigs this year? And then, in general, are the Blue Jays aggressive or conservative with their prospects? We've talked in the past about some organizations, the the Rays tend to be conservative. The Angels tend to be aggressive with the top guys. So, Ricky Tiedemann, 2021 third rounder out of junior college. And... One of the most powerful lefties in the minors, right? The fastball is somewhere between a 60 grade and a 70 grade. He can sit it in the mid-90s, run it up to 99 miles an hour. The changeup is absolutely an elite pitch. 70 grade changeup sits in the mid-80s, has really good tumble and fade to it, does particularly well against righties. And then the slider is like a low 80s sweeper. It's kind of a it's a combination of a lot of really good tools. You can keep a fastball up. You can run a changeup one way and the slider the other. So it's a very much a horizontal game for Ricky Tiedemann, although the changeup does drop plenty as well. Uh, last year, he got 18 games and he went high A, uh, sorry, he, he went low A, high A, double A. So 217 ERA in 78 and two thirds innings, 117 strikeouts, so 13.4 per nine, 229 walks. 3.3 per nine, and three home runs allowed. And Ricky Tiedemann only got four games in AA New Hampshire to end the year last year. So he went back there to start this year. And in the first two starts, 1-3-5 ERA in six and two-thirds innings, 15 strikeouts, so technically 20.3 per nine, small sample size, obviously, two walks, 2.7 per nine, no home runs allowed. His debut start, he struck out Every batter, like every out came via strikeout. So nine strikeouts in three innings, two hits, had 13 swings and misses on 49 pitches. So his CSW, called strikes plus whiffs, was 45%. Ricky Tiedemann's stuff is very good. And here's the thing about Ricky Tiedemann is when you watch, it's a little bit of a lower slot. Like he's a power pitcher. Don't get me wrong. He's a power guy, but he's got a he's like a, like a lower three-quarter slot. 
And he sets up on the far third base side of the rubber. And so the arms coming, the pitch is almost coming from like directly the center of the mound. So it's just a really interesting angle that you don't see a lot of guys throw out of, especially a sweeper that for a righty is going to break in on them, going to break in on their, uh, in on their hands or in on their feet if he's throwing it low. And so what I think, I think you're going to see Ricky Tiedemann this year. The Blue Jays don't necessarily rush prospects to the bigs. Not a thing that they're necessarily prone to do or known to have done in the past on like a regular consistent basis. But definitely something where based on how he does this year uh, in, in AA and then time in AAA in Buffalo, you may see him at the end of the year. I don't think he's going to be a guy, unless disaster happens, where they call him up in midseason and he's starting in the bigs on a regular basis. So he was drafted after a year of junior college. So all of the time he got in last year was at age 19. And he got a grand total, again, of 78 and two-thirds innings across the entire season. And so what? Like, there's a couple developmental milestones I think you need to get Ricky Tiedemann to do before you can say, yes, we're going to call him up to Toronto and stick him into the rotation of a contending team. Because I very much think, yes, could his stuff probably help you out of the bullpen? Yeah. Do you need him out of the bullpen? You do not. I think he has an opportunity with the quality of his stuff from the left-hand side. I think if you nail the development, you're looking at like a number two in your rotation. I mean, he's not just your average number three starter. He can be better than that. And so rather than rushing him up, sticking him in the pen just to use him, give him a chance to acclimate to the workload, give him a chance to continue to trust the fastball and throw the fastball and fastball counts and know that it's a good pitch, and then continue to make sure he can land the changeup and the slider for strikes and let him get comfortable. And you could see Ricky Tiedemann getting a cup of coffee at the end of the year. Uh, the parallel that I'll make, and I've made this before, the parallel that I'll make is something like a Hunter Brown or a Spencer Strider, where they come up at the end of the year, maybe get a start, maybe a little bit of time in the bullpen, and then the next season they're contending for a job out of spring training. But either way, think you'll see Ricky Tiedemann this year. Uh, some of the top rookies, guys that we're big on on this show uh, with some recent injuries, want to cover that real quick. Logan Ohapi, the catcher for the Angels, he has a torn labrum. It is expected to be a four to six month recovery for our guy Logan Ohapi. So 16 games as the starting catcher for Los Angeles. 283, 339, 547. Four home runs, six extra base hits, four walks to 15 strikeouts, and a 143 OPS+. plus. Amazing year for Logan Ohapi. I think he was a candidate to be one of the finalists for Rookie of the Year. Obviously, not going to work out now. He's if they said four to six months or getting a second opinion, he may be out the entire season. It is his non-throwing shoulder, so it is something where I I mean, obviously, given the rigors of catching, he's not going to rush back from a torn labrum. But I it, I do think it is something that long term is not going to affect his development. Uh, the other top rookie that is out that we've been high on on this show, center fielder Garrett Mitchell of the Brewers. He also has a torn labrum. He also is out for the year. He also has played in 16 games, 259, 306, 466, three home runs, 
five extra base hits, four walks to 24 strikeouts, OPS of 110. So, you know, OPS plus of 110, still above average. Uh, and he, he started off incredibly hot, started to struggle for a little bit, and then got injured. I think he's getting a second opinion as well, but he's expected to be out for the entire year. And as I understand it, he's a type 1 diabetic, and sometimes you see joint issues with those guys. So we want nothing but the best for Logan O'Hoppy and Garrett Mitchell. And uh, in my dynasty league, those were the two prospects when I took over this rebuilding team. Those are the two prospects I felt were undervalued, and I went out and got them, and they were giving me great returns to start the season, and now they're both out for the year. So that sucks. In just a minute, I want to talk about, we have some individual guys that uh, listeners are asking about, as well as the 2023 Bowman release, and there's a connection with these two. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends with Ultimate Pro Baseball GM, legitimately a fun game. We talk about this on the show all the time. If you think you can be a Major League GM, you have to download this game. You get a chance to navigate everything in this simulated, realistic, challenging game world. You're hiring coaches and staff. You are scouting and drafting players, as well as navigating free agency. You have to analyze personalities. You got to deal with injuries. Uh, You have to go through the normal ups and downs of a season, winning streaks, losing streaks, morale. You're managing the finances to make sure you can afford all this stuff. Maybe it's stadium improvements, maybe it's payroll, all of that kind of stuff. Very realistic, challenging game world, but tons of fun. You can make a league with your friends. We have a league amongst the Locked On hosts. Jeff Ellis of Locked On Guardians, very good at the game. Brett Chancey of Locked On Astros, not very good at the game. So uh, it's... Tons of fun. You can get it and make a league with your friends. Locked on MLB Prospects listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, probaseballgm.com. Scan the code on the screen if you're on YouTube or look it up in the app store. It's probaseballgm.com, the ultimate baseball GM app. Start your dynasty today. Okay. Philip in our email asked about Luke Adams of the Brewers. My thoughts on him and do I think he could break out? So he's the first of two individual prospects we wanted to cover here that were asked by listeners because they're both in similar situations as far as their scouting reports right now. So for Luke Adams, 2022 12th rounder out of high school, was committed to Michigan State, did one of those uh, summer collegiate league things, did really well. I think I think it's a wood bat league. And so he was taken in the 12th round, 280 something thousand dollars. So over slot of what you would expect any 12th rounder to get. When he, he got 11 games in rookie ball last year at age 18 after the draft, 375, 512, 562. One home run, four extra base hits, seven walks to eight strikeouts, and nine of 10 on stolen bases. So things I like about Luke Adams, things he has to work on. Um, I do think that, I mean, the power is real. It's probably, here's the thing. I think in-game power is going to be above average, maybe plus. The issue, and my everydayers can say it with me, your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. He has a lot of stuff in his swing. There's a lot of moving parts, whether it's a hitch, a lot of hand movement. Remember we talked about bat wraps and arm bars and the existence of those things in a swing are not necessarily bad. It's what those things do to your hands, where your hands are placed. His hands move a lot. 
They start up by his shoulder. They drop down towards his waist. They come back up again. He's got a leg kick and all of this. It's a complicated swing. And so because of that, he's susceptible to inside stuff. He's susceptible. He has holes in the zone. So he's got to work to streamline that swing. Uh, So far, eight games in low A Carolina right now. You can see the struggles he's having with the contact, but you can also see the good batter's eye and the good pitch recognition. Slash line of 174, 457, 391. One home run, three extra base hits, 10 walks to 11 strikeouts, three or four on stolen bases. So he's walking plenty. He's getting on base. When he makes contact, He has the raw power. He just has to get that power into games because he's got to simplify the swing. I think the Brewers can do it. It shouldn't be an issue. Now, defensively, there's another question about where is he going to play? I've seen an average arm. I've seen above average arm. But I've seen a lot of people who kind of think, okay, he's probably going to end up in a corner outfield spot versus third base because the speed's not necessarily great and there's an outside shot. He's a first baseman. So he's going to have to hit because defensively he's not going to provide the value, uh, you know, the extra value as a prospect as far as being a plus defender. Now, the Brewers have taken uh, funky swing guys and figured it out. Joey Weimer is an example of a guy who had a bunch of moving parts in his swing. They streamlined it and he's in the bigs right now. Now, Adams isn't as good of an athlete as Joey Weimer was, but they've showed that they can do this. And so they may have been able to steal a guy in the 12th round that normally would not be uh, as promising of a prospect, but because he's in this organization and they have experience with this type of swing adjustment, maybe they can do it. Another question, uh, Zach via email, Lazaro Montez, outfielder for the Seattle Mariners, 2022 IFA, and so because of that, Tons of variance in the projection, right? Got 55 games in the DSL last year. 284, 422, 585. 10 home runs, 18 extra base hits, 35 walks to 74 strikeouts, and 3 or 4 on stolen bases. Tons of raw power, right? I mean, stupid raw power when you look at the exit velos and all of that stuff from his time in the DSL. I mean, everything he is... It is probably some of the best raw power in the minors, and it's probably even like a like a plus power tool in games. The issue, and again, for the everydayers, your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. Uh, a lot of the write-ups for him, and I'm, I'm going off of a lot of other people's notes because I just don't really necessarily spend a lot of time with video of guys in the DSL, but I've seen 30 great hit tools on what he does. Again, tons of raw power, but he's got significant holes in the swing. You throw him a fastball down, you throw him a breaking ball down, he will destroy it. Anything above his waist is probably a swing and miss. And so, like I said, wide variance in the projection. He's got tons of potential if he can do that, if he can fix it, but glaring issues that propped up, copped up, uh, popped up Even in the DSL, 55 games, he struck out 74 times. And the pitching's usually not very good uh, there in the DSL, but struck out one-third of the time. So high ceiling, 
very low floor, especially because defensively, he's not going to give you a ton. He's going to be probably a left fielder. The arm's below average. The speed is also not very good. I mean, you're looking at two, two tools that are probably 30 grades. So definitely has to figure out the offense because he's not giving you value defensively. He doesn't have the big arm. He doesn't have the speed. He could probably get to below average to maybe average. Going to be limited by the range, but he's going to have to hit. So he's got to figure that out. Now, uh, I got another question from Zach about 2023 Bowman coming out, uh, you know, for those of you in the hobby, and uh, asking about guys who are going to, like, kind of some under-the-radar guys. So you don't want Drew Jones. You don't want Spencer Jones. That's fine. Uh, I do think Montez is one of those under-the-radar guys if because if he puts it together and he'll be going to, to rookie ball uh, in the complex league this year. If he puts it together, that power ceiling's the kind of thing that pops off of these uh, off of these guys in the hobby. So I've got him listed. I've got a couple other guys that I thought were really interesting. Third baseman Devison De La Santos of the Arizona Diamondbacks, a known a, a known quantity. He's in Double A. He's one of the younger players in Double A. So the fact that he's able to do what he's done has been interesting, but definitely have De La Santos there. Junior Caminero of the Tampa Bay Rays, another known quantity, but wanted to make sure I mentioned him. Couple guys, three guys that stand out to me, all outfielders. Gabriel Gonzalez of the Mariners. It's something where, again, the risk is very high, but the ceiling is very high. He doesn't have a plus power tool or a plus hit tool yet, but when you dig into the underlying numbers, I mean, he had a 468 slug in a 410 on base. But when you dig into the underlying numbers, again, the on-base was good. It was over 400. We look for that 300, 400, 500. Uh, He also had very, very good exit velocity last year. So I think the potential to develop a plus power tool is there. He's going to be a corner outfielder. He doesn't have the speed and things like that for center field. But he's only 19. He has time to add the strength as well as work on some stuff as he gets into, into low A. And I think he can be a guy that can rapidly climb uh, with just a little bit of improvement to get him to a plus power tool and a plus hit tool. Uh, Outfielder Jose Dupala of the Dodgers, another guy I trust the Dodgers player development a lot. And so it feels like this is another scenario where he's going to be in that tier one of the he's high risk again. He's nicknamed Baby Jordan, if that tells you how good he is. 6'4", massive guys, tons of contact in the zone, really good raw power, uh, really good, I mean, traditional stats, 349 batting average last year. And so, even if he slows down and is going to be like a corner outfielder, he has the ceiling of... Uh, I mean, a, like a Jordan Alvarez. They call him, I mean, that's that's the nickname, is Baby Jordan. So another guy, Jose DePaula of the Dodgers, to watch for. And the third one, Ariel Almonte. This one's going to be interesting because he had statistically, he was a 2021 IFA for the, uh, for the Reds. He statistically had a good slash line last year, 286, 390, 493. Very close to 300, 400, 500. I do think when you watch him, he's a little bit too uh, passive at the plate, and he struggled with spin last year. And so I do think 
there's a scenario here where he's probably a little bit overvalued right now, but his value is going to drop. When the value drops, you go and make the investment. And then as he recovers and understand and learns to hit spin, the value is going to come back up. So I don't know exactly where the valuation is now, but I expect it from what I've seen. It's going to, the average, the, the traditional stats are going to drop a little bit. He's going to be a little bit uh, undervalued once that happens and you can go get him for cheap. And when he adjusts it, because if you look at the frame, 6'4", the, the isolated slugging's like 207. He, uh, uh, the Reds have done a good job with developing some of these hitters, believe it or not. And outfield. So he has plenty of paths to eventual playing time in Cincinnati because all of their top prospects, just about, are infielders. So I like the potential of Ariel Almonte. I think you can get him at a good discount. Give a couple weeks for his stats to not look great. You can get him at a discount, and his ceiling should still be plenty high. In just a minute, I've got a question about the international draft and what we can do about this, as well as a question about Oakland, uh, the athletics potentially leaving Oakland. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because just like prospects, we're always growing and changing as people. And so BetterHelp provides access to therapy to help you deepen your self-awareness and understanding. Sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things with a professional. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Like It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries or empowering you to be the best version of yourself. It's not it's not, therapy is not just for people who have like experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try because it's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire. They match you with a licensed therapist. You, if you don't like that therapist, if you guys don't have that connection, you can always switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash MLB. Today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnMLB. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, you need the best tasting protein bar ever, Built. You've got to try it. If you want to make healthier snack choices, you want to eat less, whatever positive change you're trying to make, Built Bars are there because they're healthy, they taste amazing, so they hit that same note that your body's looking for when it's looking for candy or something like that, but they're also good for you. They're all covered in 100% real chocolate. The flavors are fantastic. Churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, and the macros are spot on. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein, and now you don't have to wait to get a, to get a box. We've been talking about go to built.com and order them, but... Walmart and Sam's have them in the store. Walmart, go to the pharmacy section. You can get a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puff. Or Sam's Club, you can get a 13-bar box of brownie batter puff and churro puff. Trust me, you're going to want to do this. 
Captain Dangerous in our Discord asked about international free agency. There's been a lot of talk, there was a lot of negotiation in the CBA about fixing international free agency. And the consensus we have is the current international free agency system sucks, but we don't know what would make it better. Is it the draft or is it not the draft? So we'll do something a little bit closer to signing time and we'll talk about some of the big board. There's a big board out now for signings. And part of this is because the process is flawed. So before the last CBA that ended in 2016, you could sign players and the penalties for going over the recommended amounts were very, very small. And I think Juan Mokata got like $32 million in bonuses to sign. And then the Red Sox paid another $32 million in penalties. And then he was traded to the White Sox in the Chris Sale deal. The 2017 CBA was uh, MLB had proposed an international draft and the union, the players union, countered with a capped pool and the cap, the amount of the cap was tied to revenues. And so it would increase every year as uh, baseball's revenues went up, which for the record, why can't we do that for anything else? A salary cap and a floor for everything else. But so your options here are... Major League Baseball, the owners, management, they want an international draft. They feel like, like they say in their proposal last time they did uh, the CBA negotiation before the lockout, that 94% of players in international free agency would have gotten more money than they did under the current system. Because the way the current system works, teams have a set amount. This is all they have. And so what happens is teams reach agreements with these prospects that can't sign until they're 16. They reach agreements when these kids are 14 or sometimes even younger. There's been reports as young as 12. And there's a lot of inappropriate dealings between the agents and the trainers and the scouts and all of this to steer players to certain places. A lot of those players have to give a significant portion of that money to the trainer that they've been working with because once they have that deal, typically. They'll just go to the private academy and work there, play baseball there, instead of participating in other events. And then teams can come back later and can, a month before free agency signing, can say, hey, we need to lower the amount. We're running out of money in the pool. And so there's a lot of issues here. The Players Association is not in favor of a draft. They What they want to do is they propose, one, allowing space to be rolled over so that teams can't say, hey, we're out of money because they can borrow a little bit from the next year or they can roll extra from this year into next year. Uh, They also propose enforcing the existing rule that you can't have agreements with players under the age of 15. Because these players, if you think about it, they don't have the leverage that a domestic draftee would have. They can't say, I'm just going to go to college if you don't give me what I want financially. There's less exposure to other teams because they don't have the showcases and all the live looks. And again, oftentimes they're signing at age 14 and then they get stashed away at the trainer's facility for two years and no other team sees them. So if they get lowballed by the team they had a verbal agreement with a month or two weeks before the free agency date, they don't have anything to go out there to show other teams, yes. I'm available and get anywhere near the same amount of money. So 
that draft would need to have like the proposal from MLB would be taking that draft and giving it a hard cap. I'm sorry, a hard slot. So every single draft pick, you knew exactly what the value of that was. And that would go a long way to stopping the deals for these incredibly young kids. What it would not do is uh, it would not give pay equity between international draftees and domestic draftees. And I was reading an article from friend of the show, Evan Drellich in The Athletic uh, from last year talking about what the top international free agents made versus what the top MLB domestic draftees made. And again, because you have less leverage, you have less exposure, there is, there is even under this current system, there is much less money spent in international free agency than there is in domestic, uh, for, for domestic draftees. And so there is a very strong contingent of Latin American players who are now professionals who are holding out and are pushing the union to not accept an international draft because of that pay disparity. They don't want those players to start their careers with less, uh, making less money than their domestic counterparts. So I get it. It's not a great situation. Again, I'm not sure how we fix this. Uh, I, there is some sort of runway for MLB to do equivalent dollar amounts. But at the same time, MLB is not proposing an international draft out of the goodness of their heart. Everything they do like that is designed and orchestrated and set up to save themselves on current expenses. So I don't, you'll have to excuse me if I don't necessarily believe MLB is doing this solely because they want that 94% of players to make uh, more money under a draft. They're doing this to limit their overall financial exposure because now you can go over uh, you you can go over the international signing limits. There are different penalties that you'll face, whether it's losing draft picks, things like that. But you can go over under a draft. All of those are hard slots you can't go over. So MLB wants the cost certainty. I don't believe it when they say they legitimately care about how these kids are being treated or the early deals or any of that because they have an existing rule in the books that says you can't make agreements with players under 15 that they can enforce right now. You'll have to excuse me if I don't believe in MLBs in the goodness of their heart on this one. Got a question about Oakland moving to Las Vegas. We're running out of time. Probably going to make this a segment in a separate show later this week, but it's really interesting because of the time frames in this, and I still don't necessarily believe that Oakland, that John Fisher, is going to be able to make a deal with the government in Las Vegas to get the $500 million he's insistent he has to have to move the team to Las Vegas. Uh, we'll cover this in, a, in a, a third segment in a show later this week. Final question, is Madison Bumgarner cooked? Yes, he is. He's going to sign with somebody for the league minimum. He's only like 33, 34 years old, I think. But Mad Bum is cooked. That stat cast is nothing but blue. Reminder, if you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us. LockedInMovieProspects at gmail.com or drop your questions in the LockedInMovieProspects Discord. Links in the episode description. Links in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer.